I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome back to Man Bites Pod. It is I, the Baron, uh, joined by my two uh, friends here, and purveyors of all things dark, grotesque, and certainly campy, as we are discussing today. But first of all, how are we, gentlemen? Uh, Reverend, how would you be? I'm doing great. I'm doing fucking great, man. And I'm excited because this is one of my favorite actors of all time, man. Far none. I love where you're going with this. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Commander, yourself? Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Really happy to be back doing this with you guys. And this is also one of my favorite actors. Not so much that I got a tattoo of the motherfucker like uh, the Reverend, but um, big fan of this movie. Big fan of this man. Can't wait to dig into this. Absolutely. And um, I am a big fan of this man. We are discussing Vincent Price, icon of horror and gothic icon in general. Absolutely. Um, And I chose this movie uh, because once upon a time, I thought that the nightmare before nightmare before, sorry, the nightmare on Elm Street was the first uh, horror film that I ever saw as a young one. Uh, But then I remember, no, it actually wasn't. It was actually the movie that we are discussing today, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, starring Vincent Price. I remember certain kill scenes uh, in this movie and its sequel, which stuck with me forever and got me interested in kill scenes in movies, like you can actually do that in film. And, of course, that led me to horror films. And uh, yeah, and so that's why I chose it today, just to, you know, introduce our listeners uh, to Vincent Price, if you don't know him, to this film, to these two films, if you don't know them. Um, And also why and how I like uh, where I started in horror films and uh, kind of like just the foundation of it all. Yeah. All right. Um, So, gentlemen, before I go into the movie and the plot, etc., is there anything we want to say about Vincent Price in general? Or this film oh, in general? Go for oh, it. we could we could say so much, and all it's honestly that's cool. Now we have the Baron's the Baron's origin story as a Batman mm-hmm. villain. That's great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um, I feel I feel that Vincent Price is such an iconic character that he is the uh, origin story for many a villain. Because I, I mean, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, 
Speaking of like origin stories and influence as well, I mean, this is a horror slash genre podcast. And this film, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, influenced a lot of horror films that you've seen in current times and contemporary times. Um, Seven, I think it's an influence on Seven. I think it's an influence on the Saw movies. There's literally a scene you can match (laughs) scene for scene from this movie to Saw. It has influenced so much. And Vincent Price has influenced horror uh, pop culture, gothic culture, certainly. So, and we discuss what is important and influential in horror and genre films. So, this film needed to be covered. Yeah. Oh yeah, Th- those two movies that you mentioned were exactly the ones I was going to bring up. Um, David Fincher and James Wan clearly is it Wan or Wan? Um, Wan, I think it's yeah. Wan. Yeah, I tomato, don't tomato. Joke. Yeah, I don't want to be a jerk off about it. Yeah, you say potato, I say potato family. So this fucking guy, uh, they clearly they clearly draw from this well. They clearly pray to the altar of Vincent Price and Absolutely. definitely were influenced by this movie to yeah. make those specific films. Uh, I... it, it, that's it's not it's not even up for debate. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? it's not. <laughs> it's really really not um and also the um the original batman tv show from the 60s would have watched this film because there's a certain villain based on one of the kill scenes which i will be covering in detail as it is my favorite but we'll get to that in our gimmick section um yeah one of the villains in that show definitely came along um and uh was portrayed within Batman in a kind of campy fashion, not just the comic books. That's what I'm referring to. And of course, Vincent Price was egghead in the Batman series as well. So there's a synchronicity to all of this. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love Vincent Price as fucking egghead. And I love him with the bikini machine. Like, you know, but this is some classic Vincent Price. This is some stylistic Vincent Price for sure. Stylistic is the word. Yes, um, this is a very stylistic film. So let's get into it. Now, The Abominable Dr. Fibes. It's a 1971 British dark comedy horror film. It is produced by Ronald S. R. Dunes, if that's how you say the name, and Lewis M. Hayward. And it's directed by Robert Fust, F-U-E-S-T, written by William Goldstein and James Witten. Now, of course, it stars Vincent Price and Joseph Cotton from uh, Citizen Kane fame. Yeah. Um, It's Art Deco sets, dark humor and performance by Price have have made the film and its sequel, Dr. Fibes Rises Again, cult classics. And yes, we've just touched on why they are. Uh, The film also features Terry Thomas and Hugh Griff. Griffith, with an uncredited Kathman Munro appearing in still fo- photographs as Fibes' wife. And the film follows the title character, Dr. Anton Fibes, who blames the medical team that attended his wife's surgery four years prior for her, uh, her death uh, and sets out to exact vengeance on each one. Fibes is inspired in his murderous spree by the Ten Plagues of Egypt, it's nine to be uh, exact there, from the Old Testament, yeah? So what we have here is basically a litany of kill scenes, of very elaborate, very gothic, um, and uh, and for their time, quite gory and violent and macabre kill scenes, certainly for 1971. The only other thing that was kicking around this time in cinema terms 
um, that um, kind of would touch on this kind of level of uh, violence and darkness would be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but that well, was that inferred. Would, that, would have been, that would have been, what, six years later? No, no, it's like no, 70, no. 74, 74. No, that's right. It was it was tr- yeah. three years after. That's right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was for some reason I was thinking 77. You're right. 74. Yeah. For its just but point being for its time in 1971. This film was a lot. This film did a lot and sh- and uh, it showed a lot. Texas Ma- Chainsaw Massacre it inferred a lot. Everything was suggested. This actually showed a lot for its time. So it was quite a deal for the time that it came out. Things were um, fucking popping off at that time period. It was the 70s, man. Yeah, it was the started, 70s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what else do I want to mention here? Um, this is quite astounding. Its budget was uh, 300,000 pounds. So roughly in both our terms, around about $900,000. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they put quite a bit of money into it, as they did for in, uh, four films and for set pieces. You can see where a lot of the budget went in this film. But it grossed three million United States dollars, USD. Yeah. So it, for, for its time, 1971, that's a lot of moolah to be made. Oh, yeah. 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 And a very strange, unique film for its time. Uh, it's a runtime of 94 minutes. It's nice and concise. Came out May 18, 1971, distributed by MGM, Metro, Metro Golden Mire, American International Pictures. And uh, yeah, basically, I think that's enough of the um, credits and whatnot of the uh, general info, Commander. So um, for inflation, for inflation purposes, $900,000. Okay. In 1971, US converts to about 6.2 million dollars. Okay, okay, yeah. So still, even right now, that's a median budget. That is a that is not a an an astronomical budget. That Uh, is a median budget for Vincent Price too, because Vincent Price is a goddamn celebrity at the time. At this okay. time, thank you. He is. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Vincent Press wanted gentlemen. to make this movie because it's badass motherfucker. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll do that movie. That seems rad." <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, it's true, man. Yeah, that's why. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And getting uh, Joseph Cotton was quite a big deal at the time as well. But those two did not get along. But I'll get to that in, a, in the trivia section at the end. Yes. Oh, they, uh, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite moments <laughs> <Christ> ever. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic. All right. So, um, yeah. So, you know, follow us at Man Bites Pod. If you haven't seen the movie, pause this, go watch it on YouTube, either in Australia or America. Come back and we'll break it down for you. So let us begin, gentlemen. Right. The movie opens with an elaborate looking ballroom accounted by an artificial bandstand called the Clockwork Wizards. These are mechanical figures, uh, automatons, yeah, and kind of like a brass band of the time. This is set in the 20s, I think roughly 1925, and they are called the Clockwork Wizards. They are creepy as hell. If I went into someone's house and I saw a... These motherfuckers playing, I would walk right out because some dark shit's about to go down. It's kind of eyes wide shut meets um, Phantom of the Opera. Now, 
At the face of the room sits a caped pianist with a dark hood and concealed face thumping away at an elaborate pipe organ. A woman with strange clothing walks in and the two begin waltzing as the clockwork band plays on. But everything is not all fun and games. After a tango or two, our hooded villain, Dr. Anton Fibes, and his lovely assistant, Volnavia, leaves the stately lair and a park upon a journey and a Rolls Royce. Now, we know who Vincent Fibes is, is, of course, that Vincent Fibes. We know who Dr. Fibes is, that is Vincent Price. Um, Now, Volnavia is played by Virginia North, who is beautiful, is hot in that classic 60s, 70s way, a fashionista, no doubt. Barely does not say a word, doesn't actually speak a word, and only vocalizes the sound at the end of the movie, but we'll get to that. Um, I thought she was fantastic. I thought she was a fantastic femme fatale in this film and a fantastic counterpart to Price, yeah? Oh, yeah. No, she's she is a wonderful villain. I mean, mm. really understated. Of course, Vincent Price is going to steal the show because, you know, he was in the show. If he's in the show, it belongs to him. But right. this woman, this woman was fucking amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing at what she did. She's she is villainous, creepy, every single thing that you want out of a femme fatale assistant to Vincent Price. Maybe the greatest assistant he's had in film history. His film history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, the Rolls Royce is fantastic. Have to touch on that because there, there are illustrations of, there are pictures of, uh, fives on the windows in profile, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fives himself, which was there's just a lot of really cool touch. action fucking scenes in this film, man. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, five now they go off in the Rolls Royce. Fives creeps along a roof. Now, we now no words have been spoken, no dialogue has been spoken. This is the exposition, yeah. This is basically introducing the audience to the film and to what's happening, yeah. So, no one, so you really don't know, except this is an elaborate macabre figure with a foxy femme fatale. And they go along to the home of Dr. Dunwoody in the middle of the night. While the good doctor is sleeping, Fibes lowers a birdcage containing a flock of vampire bats into the room. He releases the bats, which then begin to rake and claw at Dunwoody's face until he is dead. Uh, Dunwoody's butler finds his body and calls the police. Now, just a quick note, they're not vampire bats. They are fruit bats or flying foxes, and we have billions of them here in Australia. I walk down the road each night, and I'm dodging them on footpaths, gentlemen. Really? I I have to weigh in on this. Yes, that is absolutely correct. And also, I cannot help. I follow several Instagram accounts that that are like, uh, uh, what do you call them, conservation habitats for these particular types of bats. And... Yo, man, they're fucking adorable. There's no other way to put it. I I like them. This is the most, to me, it's the least threatening thing of all Earth. Like, I get it, and they actually pulled it off, and I'm sure in 1971 in America, this shit was terrifying. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. these motherfuckers, they're flying foxes. They're literally winged puppies. They're fucking adorable. (laughs) <laughs> they are cute they're not brazilian vampire bats they ain't eating they are, they are not eating meat at all right and they just yeah. want, they just want fruit and 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 to be hugged and left alone <laughs> yeah 
and uh, they kind of nuzzle at Dunwoody. But saying that this film is well made, certainly for its time, the editing's very good. Uh, what it does to um, convey the fear felt by Dunwoody, it really does extreme close-ups of their mouths, of them licking, yeah, their lips and that sort of thing. And they do that in this film for all of the animal deaths as well. Um, so the editing's really good to convey that sense of fear and smothering. But in 2022, certainly as an Australian who sees these things all the time, it's, oh, look at them. okay so that is murder one now enter our (laughs) pink panther style police officers and of course (laughs) of course we have inspector trout trout and his sidekick uh sergeant shenley have no idea how to pursue such a bizarre murder. And these two are British to a T. Yeah, they are hilarious. They are so polite. It is ridiculous. And I mean, like polite as in cups of tea, cucumber sandwiches. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, yes, it's, it's, very yeah. British. <laughs> very, very British. Like the great race style, you know, British, yeah, right. British characters. Yeah. All right. Now, the following evening, Fives attends a masked costume party. One of the guests is another physician known as Dr. Hargreaves. Bit of a pattern forming here. Without revealing his own face, Fives gives Hargreaves a large plaster plaster frog's head that he is required to wear for the duration of the evening. It's a masquerade ball, yeah? Uh, but the frog head has a bizarre winch attached to the back of it that slowly tightens until it crushes Hargreaves' skull in. Again, parallel to Saw. The other guests fall to either, sorry, fail to either notice or even uh, that the man is suffering. Um, so, uh, uh, soon after this, we get to look at the face of Dr. Fives. His face is hideous. Sorry, that's jumping ahead. Stop that. Okay. Now, this is not exactly correct there. The other guests do notice um, Dr. Hargreaves' suffering here, but in a very kind of like eyes wide shut elite fashion, they really don't seem to care. They just look at it going, oh, that's a bit strange. Is he all right? You know what I mean? They don't actually rush to help him, even as blood is starting to seep out of the mask. Yeah. Right. It seems like they're treating him like, oh, what is he drunk? What is it? What's going on? Like on some whatever type shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now, uh, Five's third murder is even stranger than the first two. Volnebivir and he go to the home of yet another doctor named Longstreet. All this time, the uh, the two cops, uh, Trout and Shenley, are trying to figure out what's going on, but are absolutely clueless. Except that there was a murder prior to this where a doctor was killed by a swarm of bees. Okay. Right, Volnavia and he go to the home of yet another doctor named Longstreet. The doctor is, <laughs> I love this scene. It could be my favorite in the whole damn thing. The doctor is shown <laughs> opening a container, uh, uh, opening a container containing a film um, from Dr. Fives. We have here 1920s pornography. Uh, <laughs> and it is basically of a belly dancer um, dancing with a snake, a python, I'm guessing. Yeah. 
Um, and he is cranking it on a projector, a hand uh, cranked, hand cranked projector, yeah. And he is guzzling brandy, slamming down brandy, and and is just working that crank as he's just loving what he's seeing. The visual metaphor is clear. <laughs> um, um, can we just say, can we just say the please. word masturbation here? Like that's yeah, what... yes, yeah. <laughs> he's jacking off, man. He's cranking hard. He is cranking hard here. Um, and his facial expressions are absolutely amazing. He's grinning from ear to ear. He is bug-eyed, but in a very British fashion. Yep. Um, now, after his housekeeper leaves, who um, who is, again, very British, very polite, um, very much a, you know, a, a, a nanny-like housekeeper, British nanny, uh, she leaves Dr. Longstreet. He's watching the film. Okay, the two da- now the two dastardly villains, this is Volnavia and Fibes, sneak into the room and Volnavia uh, ties Longstreet down to the chair. Now, she just does enter the room and he goes, oh, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> it's my lucky day. Not, hey, get out of my house. How do- what are you, a home intruder? <laughs> I'm calling the police. It's like, no, no, no. Um, but the idea being that Volnavia can hypnotise any man with her beauty, and she probably could. Now... Uh, ties him to the chair. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Um, he must be at least slightly smitten by her, of course, because he offers no resistance, despite the fact that he has no clue who the woman is. That's the inherent beauty of Volnavia. She lulls the victim into a false sense of security while Fives enters from behind some hidden curtain. Uh, okay, now, this is also funny, but when Fives enters as well, because Longstreet goes... Oh, who is this? Is he joining us? Will he be watching? <laughs> like, he seems to think, party on. We've got a real kink fest about to happen here, yeah? Longstreet is brilliant. Okay, um, Fives hooks. Now, she, he's tied up Longstreet. Fives hooks Longstreet up to a catheter and begins draining his blood into eight pint-sized glass jars while Vianavia watches the affair while playing the violin, which is a motif throughout the film, yeah, to accompany all of these murders. Yeah, it's fantastic. Again, Longstreet is, offers no real resistance even when his blood is being drained and the needle going into his arm, yeah? Um, Can I Fives say... And, Please. Can I say, honestly, I swear to God, like re-watching this movie today, it never dawned on me before. I swear to God, David Bowie stole his whole fucking identity from this type of shit. This, the, the level of artistry in costumery and, and how these people move is David Bowie all day. And... Oh, yeah, man. This is this is pre White Duke. This is this is right around the Ziggy Stardust era. Like this is, I'm just saying. Like I wouldn't be surprised if David Bowie saw this one. Huh? Let me write that down. <laughs> no, no, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing. I think there is potential in that. But this film is that influential, certainly. Uh, he then delicately arranges the jars. Uh, onto the mantelpiece and uh, the two leave. Longstreet's housekeeper finds his body, but Fibes got a little careless with this one and he left the cl- a clue behind. At each of the murders, he leaves like a amulet 
which pertain to the plagues, which we'll um, get to in detail. But they're basically nine plagues of the pharaohs, yeah? Right. And they have some sort of hieroglyph on each amulet. And after each murder as well, he has uh, a wax effigy of the nine people who attended to his wife's surgery and he burns them with a blowtorch. He burns their faces, um, which is basically he's transferring a lot of anger about his own appearance. Yeah. is what's happening there. I think psychologically and visually. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Long Street's how he finds the body. Yep. Yeah. Eventually the housekeeper informs inspector trout. Uh, who arrives to examine the body. He finds that the killer left behind a strange medallion. Yes, with the Hebrew symbols. There you go. Inspector Trout takes the medallion to a jewelry maker who explains that it is but one of a set of uh, nine that he was commissioned to fashion. The symbol uh, carved upon the medallion is the Hebrew word for blood, leaving uh, the fighty lapidary. Trout then takes the medallion to a rabbi. The rabbi tells him of the nine plagues of ancient Egypt. Trout links the medallion to the three established murders. There we go. As an initial murder that took place off screen prior to the movie, which is this stung but to death by bees. So the killer was designing his murders to be imitative of the nine plagues of Egypt. Ancient Egypt was devastated with waves of various critters and geological phenomena because the pharaohs made the mistake of enslaving the Hebrews and earning himself the ire of Moses. So this guy, you know, thinks he's like a biblical figure of revenge yeah so a biblical bring, symbol of revenge there you go uh, let Please. me bring something up about uh, i'm sorry i don't mean to uh, deter this right. but you keep saying nine there are ten there are Is ten, it ten plagues of, it's ten yeah it's okay. ten man all right at all least right, according right. to this uh this very not uh viable source of this movie for you know hebrew heritage, do you mean, do you, like do you mean hustler yeah yeah, yeah. Because no, um, I, I thought in the movie they referred to nine. Because what I'm reading here does say ten, but I was uh, correcting well, it because I thought it's please. In the movie, there are nine. There, I, I don't. I'm kind of skipping ahead. I don't mean to step on your dick here, right. but honestly, that's right. That's right. there's there's nine murders, but there's ten plays. Ah, uh, there we go. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Once I again, think, I think, Let's think about seven here. Remember. <laughs> you got the movie Seven, The Seven Deadly Sins, and then it turns out that the last sin has got to be committed by the yeah. guy. Yeah, I got you. Deal. I got right. you. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. And, and Thank it, you. Right. It's like that, except yeah. 1971, so it's a little more friendly. But yeah, the, in the Bible, there are... And by the way, I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I have read the Bible cover to cover. So, just saying... Okay. There are yeah, no, you're right. Of you're <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we actually have a comparative rundown of the 10 plagues here. Uh, and for the purpose purposes of the film, gnats and flies have been replaced with rats and blood, because I guess our gnats and flies cinematically was a bit hard to stage. I mean, so, yeah, it would it would it looks good when they do it in X Files when they could have done it in 1993. Yes. But, 1903, yes. <laughs> but yeah, not 1971. Okay. Nats are hard to convey in 1971. <laughs> yeah. All right. So one, we have blood. Two, we have frogs. Yeah. So uh, you've got the vampire bats. Two, you have the frogs of the frog mass. Uh, three. Uh, b- 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 nets three was bats. bats uh, th- 
three was uh okay bats isn't a typo here bats thank you four flies five livestock six boils seven hailstorm eight locusts nine darkness and ten death of the firstborn son right that's what it says here okay that's the bible yes that's yeah. the Bible's listing. Okay. Another physician is now introduced and his bizarre plot begins to uh, flesh itself out a bit more. Yeah. Inspector Trout visits the home of Dr. Vasilius. Yeah. There is one thing that links all of the deceased together. All of the physicians, including Vasilius, operated on Dr. Fibes' wife. Yes. Uh, she died from an undisclosed illness. While the term, uh, the team has been oper- had been operating, Victoria's Husband Fives had been returning home from a concert in Switzerland uh, because he's a world-renowned organist, yes. Uh, on his way to the hospital, his car flipped over and exploded. Fives was burned to death, quotation marks, and there was nothing left but the ashes, or so the story goes. Trout suspects that Fives may have faked his death and he has vowed to kill all of the doctors who failed to save his wife. That's his modus operandi. Five's next Five's victim. Next. Hello, hello, Reverend. We good? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Five's next victim is a man named Dr. Hedgepath. Hedgepath falls for the oldest trick in the book. As his car is chugging down the road, he sees a Rolls Royce parked off to the side. Uh, with the voluptuous uh, Volnavia, I would hardly call it voluptuous, but it's a matter of perception, uh, standing next to it. He has his driver stop the car in a very British, you know, polite, gentlemanly way. There's a lovely woman there, the spot of bother. Get out and see if you can help her, will you? He doesn't get out, of course, because, you know, um, that's the driver's job. Now, then he tells his driver to go over and try and help her. The driver goes over and looks at the engine. (laughs) While looking at the engine, Dr. Five steps out of the car um, and applies the Vulcan death grip. Yeah, this is Spock's Vulcan death grip. <laughs> he, he is, yeah, effortlessly, effortlessly strangles this motherfucker. Like that's <laughs> definitely, definitely, and he's got this lovely smirk on his face. And even though um, I think he's spoken at this point, uh, he doesn't actually speak in this film. We'll get to how he speaks in a minute, but um, he has wonderful facial expressions. Yes, is he? Is a you know traditionally classically trained actor of the stage um so he knows how to use his face he doesn't need to rely on words and a perfect example of that um now with the uh the masturbator uh before um we were looking at uh and um as he's as um Fides leaves his abode he looks at a work of art a painting that's on the wall he actually exits off the frame there's a focus on the uh, artwork above the mantelpiece he comes back and he looks at the artwork and then he looks disparagingly at the doctor going really this is the art you choose <laughs> without <laughs> saying a word and then leaves again there's beautiful little moments like that all the way through this film which vincent price delivers Okay, um, where were we, where were we, give me a moment. Steps out of the car, Hedgepath is locked inside uh, the cab of his limo. And uh, this is the doctor and Fives hooks up a device. Now, before he hooks up the device that pumps snow into the limo, which ultimately freezes Dr. Hedgepath to his death, he puts in this wonderful music box with this strange little 
boy-like figure, this rather weird, <laughs> abstract, spooky-looking music box to hypnotize the doctor, yeah, to make him stay in the limo before applying his Dr. Freeze straight out of Batman style, Batman of the 60s uh, style ice machine into the limo, yeah? Right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I loved that moment. I loved that moment. Of course, we are looking at the hailstorm plague there, which he is applying to the doctor for his demise. Okay, now Inspector Trout and Dr. Vasilis decide to work together and track down uh, Anton Fives. Dr. Vasilis uh, is played uh, by Joseph Cotton. They go to the Fives family crib and crack open his coffin. Inside is a container, supposedly supposedly holding his ashes, but Vasilius uh, theorizes that they could just as easily be the ashes of Fives' driver, who was likewise, likewise buried, uh, sorry, burned in the crash. They then open, open the tomb of Victoria Fives to find it empty. Dun, dun, dun. The, next victim is, <laughs> the next victim is a man named Dr. Uh, Kata, I think it was, pronunciation. Uh, Qatar is on vacation and decides to take a trip in his personal single-engine airplane. This guy's Biggles, yeah? Absolutely. If you know who Biggles, remember Biggles? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Here's something that I never realized until you just said it. So is what is his name again? Qatar, spelled K-I-T-A-J. So that is very close. That is very, very close to the pronunciation of the Jewish uh, translation of the Ten Plagues, which is oh, Kata. Okay. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Um, and I think they actually do that in the movie, where he goes to see the where the, the inspector eventually goes to see the rabbi, and he explains mm-hmm. it to him, and he says it's yeah. Kata. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just that just dawned on me right now. I thought yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is worth mentioning. Thank you. Okay, um, single engine airplane, but Fibes and Volnavia sneak onto the airfield and fill Qatar's plane with a horde, quotation marks, horde of rats. Qatar and his pilot don't realize that a dozen of the rodents are inside of the plane until they are several miles up in the air. And we have Fibes on a hill with Volnavia playing the violin. Fibes is looking uh, through a periscope up at the plane as well. Um, and they're both in wonderful fur robes at this point, but they're, they're, these two are like Puff Daddy at the Os- at the Grammys, yeah? For yeah, they got cool they th- outfits, man. <laughs> they throw on a new outfit, yeah? Um, and they're always complimenting each other in their dress style as well. The rats tear, again, quotation mark, because like the bats, they're just kind of nuzzling at him, but they, again, extreme close-ups on the rat's mouths and teeth, yeah, with quick edits to create that swarming effect. The rats tear into the pilot, forcing the plane to crash into the ground, killing them both. And when the plane does crash, Vincent Price gives the uh, gives the, um, the telescope a wonderful whack, gives it a twirl. He spins around, gives a little golf clap. Volnavia is playing the violin. It's a glorious moment of celebration. Absolutely. Now, uh, by now, Inspector Trout is racing around town trying to find the surviving doctors who once worked at uh, on Victoria's fire on Victoria Fives. They know what Fives is up to. They know what Anton is up to. He tries to protect a guy named Doctor Whitcomb at a local mall, but Whitcomb uh, dies when a giant brass unicorn. 
Ah, his lords from a cat. <laughs> his lords from a catapult, spearing him in the chest and nailing him to a door. Uh, are they in a rest? They're in a restaurant. They're leaving a restaurant or something at this point or something, I believe. And they're just having a little conversation. Don't know that thrown up against the wall. Oh my goodness! He's been disavowed by a unicorn. So. <laughs> And um, as this is, is kind of my origin story, and I think I reckon this is where it comes from as well. Um, I've been obsessed with the image, the phrase, and the image of people being disemboweled by unicorns. Yeah, I've thrown it. I've thrown it into poetry. I've written and that sort of thing, and I've never known where it came from. How I came up with that image in my mind, or not even what the reference was, because everything is associated to something. There's always a reference to something. Yeah, um, and I think this is where it came from. Watching this, like honestly, at eight or nine years old. And I think this image, this scene, this idea of someone being lanced, harpooned, disemboweled with a unicorn, this is where it came from, yeah? Yeah, carrying on. Now, failing to save Whitcomb, Trout decides that he must protect one of Victoria Five's attending nurses named uh, Alan. A-double-L-E-N, Alan, yeah? That's right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I wanted to mention that there's wonderful little uh, moments of British humour as well. Uh, the police uh, commissioner, well, the Trout's boss, yes, the head of Scotland Yard, I would say, actually. Um, he uh, calls Trout Pike several times. No, sir, it's Trout. There's little play, English play on words throughout oh, this whole brilliant. film, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, one of my what I laugh out loud every single time when I see the scene where, uh, what's his name? He goes down to the uh, goes to the guy that made the amulet, and they have that exchange down in the basement. That whole thing, I fucking fall apart the entire time. There's no, there's no horror elements about it. I just laugh the entire time. Absolutely. There's lots of, there's plenty of levity. There's one, lots of macabre kill scenes throughout a litany of them, but there is levity galore in this film, as we said at the start, dark comedy horror film. Yeah, this is kind of the first Shaun of the Dead, really. If you, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sam Raimi, I think, would have watched this. There's another, yeah, I think, lineage to this film, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yep. for sure. Yep. Peter Jackson saw this movie too. You know, Peter I Jackson. mean, yep. it's 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 a good film. Yeah, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. Those are influences right there. Okay, so the nurse who was very familiar to me, I've seen her in British things before. Absolutely, I'll um, get to the casting later on. But yeah, uh, the police try to secure her a room in the hospital while the rest of the team stake. Uh, stakes out the building looking for fives this is the 70s she's basically told no you can't leave you're a woman we are the police we are men do what we say we are no we know what's going on we will protect you lock her up in a room yep now it's not done maliciously it's just done of its time yeah now the police try to secure her room in the hospital 
and Dr. Five, but Dr. Fives manages to get past their checkpoints because um, through basically dressing up in a white nurse's uh, uniform mm. and just taking the lift from them. But this is, uh, again, this is 1970s or 1920s Britain. And uh, well, don't look anyone in the eye. Don't stare. That's rude. They've got a job to do. They're a man. Of course, they're fine. They're not up to anything malicious. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Dude, how he a, got into the hospital. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of, of tell me about this woman. Like, yo, man, like this woman is clearly very recently traumatized. Why the fuck are you talking to her like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, it's quaint. <laughs> Let's just say that. It's very <laughs> it's very no doubt. Quaint. All right. Um, yeah, Fives manages to sneak past the checkpoints and breaks into the room directly above the um, nurse Ellen, who is sleeping. Now, it was said that she had. Um, that she, it was. Uh, she was advised to take a sleeping pill. So just keep that in mind before I start de- detailing this, depicting this kill scene. Right First here. of all, it, ha- it has to be mentioned. This is one of the quirks of 1970s cinema. That um, far and of Fibes himself, he pulls out this kind of plastic sheet, body size, say about six foot, give or take, body sheet with a drawing, an outline drawing of a woman. Yeah. He drops it down in front of him and gives a little giggle to himself. Uh, <laughs> and this all comes from his throat because it's important to mention um, that Fibes does not speak out of his mouth. He attaches a a type a, a tube to a gramophone, yes, to speak, yeah? Correct, yes. That's his whole gimmick for vocalizing. Um, and Vincent Price just used his throat, moved his throat around to show that he was vocalizing through the tube, through the, um, the tube, going into the um, gramophone and being uh, vocalized out that way, yes? Um, so it's very good work acting wise, definitely, uh, and a great visual gimmick as well. Um, so, uh, so he kind of giggles with his throat, chuckles with his throat, if you will. But what what very much amused me about this moment is when he puts the sheet down directly above Nurse Ellen in the room below, sleeping on the bed. Then he drills a hole through the uh, picture on the sheet's head, which is directly above her head. How he figured that out? <laughs> He's Dr. Fives, you know what I mean? How he matched that up perfectly. Why oh, he yeah. needed the sheet to begin with if he knew where her head was perfectly. 70s cinema. I just thought that was very <laughs> peculiar and very yeah, amusing. She just, mer- she just measured off of the drywall stud, man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He's a doctor, yeah. man. No, if a construction it, it, worker no. could figure it out, come on. It literally <laughs> comes down to he fucking knew. He fucking knew. He right. knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> he's more than human. He is more than human. He is definitely one of the first super... He's, he's one of the great supervillains of cinema. Absolutely. And like all cinema, he's omnipotent. Yeah, omniscient, omnipotent, etc. Okay, all-knowing. Right, okay. Um, now, before the build-up to this, the preparation to this this kill scene is marvelous. To this murder is marvelous as well because he gets a whole bunch of cabbages and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah, yo, that whole thing, that whole thing, fucking ruined my mind when I first saw him. What is he doing with the picking? And he's very specific about those Brussels sprouts. 
He's very serious about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's and he's just basically, um, you know, um, blending them all up and um, boiling them all down to a fine chlorophyll-like goo. Yeah, and Volnevia has uh, has brought them to him. Yes, and so he can observe which ones, as you say, they're kind of very specific. He can choose which ones are appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I love when she's holding them up and he's picking out Brussels sprout by Brussels sprout, puts some and then throws some behind him, that sort of thing. And again, that little look, just that little look with his eyes. He holds up a Brussels sprout, looks at Volnavi, he goes, Really? This one? Yeah. And then cuts yeah, moments. Yeah. He, he looks at her like it's her fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I think that comes back to some early, and this might be stepping on the nuts of trivia, but like, you know, it was supposed to be written that he was kind of mean to her at one point. And I yeah, think this yeah. might be left over from that. Like yeah. He's, yeah, sure. He's looking sure. at her like, "How dare you bring me these fucking Brussels sprouts?" But it turns into a cartoon. It's yeah, so cartoon. Because of lack of context. Yeah, because like what he does with this Brussels, this green goo, he puts the pipe through the hole that, on the ceiling that he's drilled above Nurse Ellen's head, and he drips down this green goo onto her head. She's fast asleep. She's taken a sleeping pill, but still, if some sort of green goo like that drops on your head, I don't know. I'd wake up. But anyway, it's a cartoon. Right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay. We mentioned the plague of locusts. This is where that came in. They are actual locusts he does have on screen there, aren't they? I mean, I think so. Yeah. Isn't that just a grasshopper? But are they... Is it the same thing? Aren't locusts bigger, different... Uh they're different i think it's a nod i think they're just trying once again cinematically trying to do this once again gnats and locusts those are hard to portray in 1971 okay so so just big ass grasshoppers yeah i mean a chihuahua and a saint bernard are the same thing but they're very different sure sure (laughs) um Maybe it's just my own um, disliking of such things, but they are gross-looking things. I think this is one where they used uh, kind of an animal-based death, which was actually creepy and yuck, get that the fuck away from me feeling. More so than the bats and the rats for me. I would hate these things on me more, yeah? Um, But that said, um, they basically eat Nurse Ellen's face off um, feeding on the Brussels sprout goo until they um, her only her skull is left, and um, and her she's looking like the cover of a Grateful Dead album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's the plague of locusts enacted, exacted by fives. All right. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, Inspector Trout, Dr. Vasilis, try to figure out who the next victim might be. Trout realizes that Vasilis is the only physician who has any children in this moment. My God, this is hilarious. Um, who do we know who has a newborn son? Uh, where's your son? He's at home. Hey, he's your only son. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is like the worst part of the writing of this movie. That's the worst part. It's it that is fucking days of our lives. Now that's American audience shit, I think, but that is days of our lives, daytime soap, bad yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Really bad. I mean, 
This whole investigation is spoon-fed, though. It has that kind of... You guys have seen the show uh, Monkey back in the day? Monkey? Yeah. yeah remember oh. the, 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 the monkey on the clouds, you know, um, who fights the, the monk, uh, the, the martial artist with piggy and fish. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. It's got... It's, or even Maxwell Smart, that could be a better example, but it has that basically of connecting logical links and threads with editing that doesn't really give a nice enough right. time and space for deliberation. This isn't David Fincher, like with the details. It's not forensic or procedural. <laughs> it's just, oh yeah, da-da-da, da-da-da, let's go there, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. No, da-da. It's, yeah? no it's, yeah. it's, it's kung fu movie logic. There you go, there you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 1971. It's not it really worth the 70s. picking apart at all. It's the 70s, yes. But, it, but it, works, it works to its comedic benefit, though. It all works towards its comedic benefit. This film is not to be taken seriously by any means whatsoever, which is part <laughs> of its, uh, part of its um, what's the word? Charm of its charm. Okay. Oh, 100%. I never realized how funny this movie was until I rewatched it today. Same. I swear to God, I swear to God. Yeah. Okay. Now, yes, they rush off to Vasilius's house. Uh, They discover that Lem, that is Vasilius's son, who's missing. He's a perfect child. You know, like uh, the best grades, plays chess, is into organ music as a teenager, you know, so on and so forth. Couldn't fault him in a very British way. British sense. Dr. Phobes telephones Vasilius and tells him that he must meet him at his place. Yes. Yeah? So he, he phones him up and they're going to meet him. The phone call was uh, busy because this was Phobes fucking with him. Um, I, I guess um, in movies, they weren't doing the cutting out of the letters and magazines to send a note, a freaky note off to the cops at this stage. So he plays his organ. Right. <laughs> Just go dun, 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 and then hangs up and sits there <laughs> and then calls him back and tells him, Yo, I've got your son. Yeah. Another great moment by um Vincent Price. Could only be pulled off by Vincent Price so effectively. Also, yeah. Stolen by Liam Neeson from Taken. How so? I haven't seen Taken. What does he do? <laughs> No, or do you the, just mean the, the whole I had special skills, blah blah thank blah? Thank you. Okay, okay, That's okay it. I'm with you. I honestly right. haven't seen it either. I'm making fun of it. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. No real interest will not be on this pod. I can kind of speak for all yeah, of us I, there. Yeah. I have no heat with it. I like bad action movies, I like bad sure. horror movies, I like bad movies in general, but I just don't care. I'm not interested. No, no. Um, Crowd doesn't want Vasilius to go, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's his son. He has to go. Uh, Vasilius knocks Trout's out, Trout, Trout out with a statue and takes off to save his boy. Sorry if that was a bit jarbled, but that's the sequence. Garbled, that's the sequence of events. Now, arriving at Fives' mansion, he finds that Anton Fives has strapped Lem down to an operating table. Here we get our sore parallel. The final, uh, the build-up, the climax of the action and the final uh, kill scene, but not plague, as the commander pointed out. Again, the uh, parallel to seven. Um, implanted inside his chest, that is Lem, the sun, just below his heart is a key. The key unlocks a halter, which has been strapped to Lem's neck, so a collar, yeah, keeping his body from moving off the table, big steel trap-like 
collar. Above him is a spiral-shaped tube from which acid will be dripping down onto his face unless his father can operate him, free the key, unlock the halter, and push him out of the way within six minutes. Now, as Vasilius is desperately trying to operate to save his body, Fibes looks onward, mockingly informing him that six minutes was the window uh, he is, that the six wind minutes is the window he is granting him, which is the equal amount of time that the doctors had to work on his wife to save his wife's life. Vasilius keeps cutting and Fibes keeps heckling, yeah? And he- Fibes is getting all up on his face, yeah? It's not just up above, down below, looking down below. He actually comes into the operating room and is right in his grill right. <laughs> just mocking him speaking through the tube in his neck with a gramophone trailing behind you know sort of gimmick yeah um so it's very bizarre and it's very very awesome um Vasilius keeps cutting, Fibes keeps heckling. To further unnerve him, he even reveals his true face. Now, as we mentioned before, car crash, yeah, burning, yeah, hence the ashes in the coffin. And then we don't, not until the end. This film is very clever about its reveals. Fibes doesn't actually speak until about 20 minutes into the film. And we don't see the true face of Fibes until this last kill scene, building up to the climax of the action, yeah? Uh, The crescendo, if you will, because it's very classical and all. But then you see his face. And it's straight out of Universal, like, United Artists Monster Pictures, yeah, Universal Monsters, um, Phantom of the Opera, if you will. Um... Google it. Google Dr. Fibes' face if you want to see the actual image. It's fantastic. I thought it was really well done. It's actually quite horrifying. What did you think, it, gentlemen? Uh, a, oh, yeah. I think, it, A, it's a great reveal. I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on your nuts there, fucking Reverend, but it's it's a great reveal, and it's great that they only show it for a moment or two. It adds, it adds to yeah. the mystique. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. The makeup is fucking horrible by today's standards but it's great it's a great because of the reveal and the short amount of time that you see it it yeah. it lends to legend yeah well put well 100 percent, it definitely lends to legend because literally this is one of the few times where vincent price actually gets to be the monster you know and like it's fucking so iconic that when people think of Dr. Feeds, they don't think of just Vincent Price's face. They think of this fucking really shitty pr- prosthetic that is only seen for what, like 90 seconds, you know? If it, that. It's iconic as fuck, man. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Ba-ba-ba-ba-bam. Okay. Okay, his, uh, the face has been burned so badly by the accident that it's little more than a flesh-colored skull. And keep in mind, he was burning the wax effigies of the uh, nine plague victims all throughout the film. Yeah, again, that's, again, that's psychological transference. Fives tells Volnavia that this is their final mission. He also uh, tells her to go and destroy everything he has created. This is why the doctor is trying to get the key out of his son's gut. Fives leaves uh, Vasilius and his son to their fates. Yeah. Which, and by is, the way, that's mm-hmm. 1000%. That is lifted by Saw. They absolutely took that key gimmick, 
Like, yes. I mean, they, yes. you, if you look at the cinematography, they lifted scene by scene some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Which, I, don't get me wrong, the Saw stuff is brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. But they definitely were influenced by this on a huge Absolutely. level. Which just speaks to the influence and importance of this film. Definitely. Certainly and, in terms of genre and horror films. Yeah. And speaking of the Bible, if you motherfuckers like torture porn, like Saw, just go read the Bible. Yes. I'm telling you. I've Good read that fucking cover to cover. And there's Good plenty point. of horrific shit in there. Absolutely. And so you can see why this film also has its controversy, certainly for its time, for depicting how messed up the actual Bible is. Yeah. yeah. Putting this out in 1971, it was quite a statement. Yeah. Dude, the, the Bible is fucking dark. It's and really it's- dark and it mm. would let it would make Stephen King blush. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're a fan of heavy metal, death metal, etc., and you've never looked at uh, Revelations, check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It is awesome. Oh, for okay. you, uh, for you, porno fans that like the stepbrother, stepsister stuff, there's plenty <laughs> of incest in there too. Yeah, didn't originate on Pornhub. That's for damn sure. <laughs> 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 All right, and and as Fives leaves Vasilius uh, to their fates, he does a very Phantom of the Opera style. We've talked about his organ all the way through this. Yeah, it descends down. Yes, to the dungeon, to the rivers, to the catacombs below. Yeah, you know what I mean. And right. um, he's very, wearing a very Phantom of the Opera cape, and the way he plays and moves his arms up in the air as he's playing. You know, absolutely. Uh, again, all things have their lineage, all things have their reference. And this is a continuation of that from Gothic literature through to horror movies of today. All right. Meanwhile, Inspector Trout uh, revives at Vasilius's place and races down to Fives' house to save the good doctor. He runs afoul of Volnavia and the two square off in the makeshift uh, emergency room just as Vasilius succeeds just in time I'm talking five seconds to spare freeing his son from the operating table that is getting the key out of his gut uh, Trout forces Volnavia to back up placing her directly under the ceiling mounted glass tube just as the acid comes down it was a bit convenient but hey it's the 70s she screams wildly this is the again the only sound that she makes it's not actually this is not dialogue it is uh, vocalization basically screaming in pain as the acid melts away her face and she finally dies wait until the sequel Trout, <laughs> Trout Vasilius and Lem race around trying to find Dr. Fives he has retreated to a secret room where the preserved remains of his wife Victoria are kept uh, and he gets inside a custom made sarcophagus then he inserts a Catholic catheter into his wrist this causes him to exchange his blood for embalming fluid uh with the son it was the one um the uh the only born yeah son this is darkness this causes him to exchange his blood for embalming fluid this allows him to seemingly die next to his wife thus fulfilling the plague of darkness and then you are my sunshine my only sunshine plays (laughs) credits roll honestly 
the this the you are my sunshine thing i found creepy adding that that upbeat gimmick at the end of it that's even more creepy than it could have possibly if, if they would have played something more morose you know what i mean mm-hmm. i agree it really I works agree. this ending really really works there's a bunch of occultic fucking suggestions in this film and that song in particular works very well for the end of the movie Thank you, Reverend. Very well spotted and pointed out there because on a sarcophagus we have uh, uh, the symbol of the sun as well. And then we can, and then in the sequel, he does go to Egypt and we can talk all day, day about Ra, the Egyptian sun god. Uh, yeah. We could talk about the morning star, which is Lucifer. There we you could... go. There you go. And this is such a Luciferian figure. Fives is such a Luciferian figure. As sure. well, forbidden knowledge, etc., and just the pomp and circumstance of it all, and actually oh, yeah. a very, a very pointed figure towards modern Satanism as well, because oh, he's oh, actually oh. <laughs> he's actually a very he's a very sympathetic character. He's a he's a caring, sympathetic character, but he's just not turning the other cheek. Yes, that's yes. the big difference. Between Absolutely. him and the Christians and all of the British society that he is has a problem. Reverend? No, this is uh, an amazing thing. He's fucking Anton Thieves. This is fucking 1971. Thank you. years after the fucking yeah. Church of Satan was fucking coming there over when it would have first hit fucking England and stuff. The occultic references in this are fucking all over the place. It is underwritten by these fucking... 10 plagues references which every christian or an american or english or australian audience would have been able to fucking kind of see there's also this underlying fucking satanic message through it and all these weird fucking innuendos and stuff clockwork orange had not been fucking actually directed and released yet but there we have the clockwork wizards which is actually a fucking tribute by one of my favorite bands is electric wizard that a lot of people don't actually get it's fucking rad as fuck um there's so many other different little levels with it through the plagues and everything but the big one that sticks out in my head is the frog scene that this would have been an eyes wide shut type of fucking reference that also gets hit later on with the Kubrick and the Andrew uh, Anthony Burgess fucking references that we have with the Clockwork w- Wizards. This was a big thing going on at the time, and Vincent Price was like, "Yeah, this is fucking weird." I that being said, there's all kinds of references in this. It, it's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, fantastically pointed out and put into context, certainly of its time as well. Yeah, Commander? Yeah, no, really. That's actually something I was going to point out is that Kubrick's fucking genius can't be understated or overstated. But this motherfucker clearly saw this movie too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm, This was mm, an mm. influence on Kubrick. Straight Mm -hmm. up and down. I'm not going to fucking argue with film nerds about this, but that is absolutely true. These these things do come through in his later works as, as the, as the reverend so eloquently put. 
Uh, I'm just looking at Mr. Robert uh, Fust here to see what else he has done. Uh, he did the sequel, Dr. Fibes Rises Again, which we'll discuss briefly in a moment, the 1972, so a year after. Uh, just Like a Woman and Wuthering Heights and And Soon the Darkness preceded this film. Then after the sequel, Fibes Rises Again, we have the final program, The Devil's Reign, Three Dangerous Ladies, Revenge of the Stepford Wives and Aphrodite in 1982, the last film, as per Wikipedia, uh, that he is cited to have directed. Yeah, the, and The Devil's Reign is fucking amazing as well. People is should it? really check that? that out. You can see yeah, the fucking okay. uh, influences in this film by far okay that's definitely more of an american feeling film too okay yeah oh for sure devil's reign is phenomenal that that's not to be overlooked uh because he is uh he um was rest in peace robert uh thust 1927 to 2012 he's an english film director screenwriter and production designer who works mostly in the horror fantasy and suspense genres yes okay cool Okay, um, touching on uh, uh, its sequel, Dr. Fives Rises Again. All right, so like we have basically what could have been the birth of slasher franchises with this film, if that's a fair thing to say. Uh, And two were created, 1971, the sequel in 1972. Uh, Vincent Price didn't want to do any more and basically everyone pretty much decided across the board, well, without Vincent Price, it's not happening because it can't happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh. which I agree with a hundred percent. It's like night. It's like the Elm Streets without Robert England. Can't Look, happen. man, you can replace the guitar player. You can't replace the singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes, I think the remake to Elm Street is trash, but that's another discussion for another podcast. Okay. Um. So yeah. So um. Fives rises again. After uh, how many years later, I think it's three years later, he comes back because the moon is in the right position. The first time in 300 years to allow him to come back. Volnavia, face perfect. She comes through this James Bond kaleidoscope, kaleidoscopic tunnel, joins him. They bugger off to Europe um, because there's a whole curse of the pharaohs thing going on uh, to basically raise his wife up once more. Bunch of ritualistic men. murders um take place once more because a whole bunch of english people try and trace him down including trout just if i may um sorry commander you look you look perturbed no, no you're it, right okay no not at all okay no, um, it, just, this this one is even more comedic it's it is more, more comedic, comedic. Yeah. They definitely camp it up even more. I think they know what they're working with. I think they know how the material works here. I don't think it's a better film. I think the first film is better. I think it's um, classical structure. Structuring works better in the first one. Um, this one definitely does camp it up a little bit more. Not that it, not in a bad way. I just prefer the classical structure of the first film a little more. There are two fantastic damn kill scenes. We have... The mechanic, the clock, the, the wind-up snakes, the wind-up pythons on the pool table in the parlor at the start. They're cool. But when the bald chap, um, the, the Kojak-looking chap, uh, he picks up the old-school telephone to the ear 
Yeah. And then the snake slash spike goes straight through one ear and the other. That's one of the kill scenes um, images That's- on screen that scarred itself in my brain as a child, seeing that guy. Yeah. Milton Reed. Fuck. That character's name sh- is Milton Reed. And if we were to do that, that would be my bit of violence. 100%. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, that scarred itself in my brain. That got that's made me hunt out more scenes like that, more images like that on screen leading to horror films. And if I may, um, this may, uh, we'll get to it next time um, as well if we go there. But um, the scorpion death, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's good. I mean, we're talking um, progenitor of Jigsaw and Saw. This one, where that chap is put into a scorpion chair, again, led by the feminine guiles of Volnavia, the beauty of Volnavia, into the scorpion chair, which, like an iron maiden, traps him to the chair with spikes, yeah? And then Fives comes along with, uh, what sort of dog is that? I don't remember. I, don't, I honestly yeah. don't remember. I feel like a dickhole now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. It's like a little porcelain uh, dog statue. Um, and uh, he places it down in front of uh, the English chap who's trapped in the chair, places the key into the dog statue, and then leaves. Yeah. That's um, literally and- soft. That's it's so sore. Soft. It's so sore. Because, <laughs> listeners, what happens is the victim picks up the dog statue, breaks the statue, scorpions galore come out and then crawl up his body and sting him to death. Yeah. Um, and again, good editing with this one close ups of the statue. Uh, sorry, close ups of the scorpions, close ups of him in pain, screaming. And then uh, Volnavia and Fives in their tent reclining and smirking and laughing to themselves. They're drinking tea, I think they were at some point at this point. Yeah. Those two kill scenes are amazing. Oh, 100%. And honestly, like I said, like my kill, my my bit of violence would have been Milton Reed getting the fucking ear needle from the phone. Yeah. Because yeah. that fucked with me as a kid too. I saw this as a young kid. And okay, I was afraid nice, to pick nice. up the fucking phone. And we are all old enough to have not had to deal with cell phones where cell phones weren't a deal. You had an actual receiver like that. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I had one of those uh, rotary phone. I mean, I think, I'm not sure that might have been, but like I said, I, it's this predates rotary phone and that, but it's the same idea where you pick up the receiver to it. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Trivia. I'll just run through a little bit of trivia here before we get into gimmicks because we have to mention Joseph Cotton versus Vincent Price. If only they could meet in uh, Job of Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cotton would grumble on the set that he had to remember and deliver lines while prices were all to be posted up because he oh. was only using his throat to speak and the gramophone. Remember their listeners. Now, Price responded, yes, but I still know them, Joe. In fact, Joe, I know yours as well as mine. So- and that's true. <laughs> that's true. Vincent Price was a Broadway actor. That man, that man was a live stage actor. He knew everyone's lines. 
everyone film to like film him. from film to film he was renowned for this ability for that ability yeah to know right. the whole script the whole script of whatever is working of whatever he was working on yeah in any given production um vincent price enjoyed this film wholeheartedly he enjoyed this production playing this character he often cracked up during filming wrecking his makeup because um he was wearing prosthetic ears and such yeah and little bits and pieces of his face which volnavia would bring to him on a platter as well because he was burned yeah so the face right. of fives is a mask um concealing the true horror visage within um, and he would, um, joke, Price again would um, make Cotton very uncomfortable during his scenes uh, by intentionally making lots of funny faces to make Cotton laugh. So he was also, so he was trolling him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he was fucking with him the whole time. Well, honestly, I'm going to just go ahead and say it on record Cotton was a cunt. He was a fucking, he's horrible. He was, uh, <laughs> he, he oh, was, yeah. Uh, enjoyed a tipple and um he was a bit of a hat a bit of a um it was a bit of a thing to it was a bit of a much to handle on any given set because of his love of the drink as well oh is that right see yo man Mm. you can be a friendly drunk why do you have to be a cunt about why can't you yeah (laughs) and not while you're not while you're working either yeah right not not while you're working absolutely well well, let's not talk about that right this very second (laughs) <laughs> Not while we are working with Vincent Price. No, no when you're working with you Vince Price. Keep Thank you. Some standards. You. And no, Listen, not man. while you're working with Vincent fucking Price. Listen, man, the commander's been in the military for some time, the commander of film. And I require a drink or two when I'm talking to the Baron and the Reverend. That's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. But you know, there's there's <laughs> levels of situation, Con- context, context is all. All right. right. Now, but uh, Commander, as you were pointing out there, that uh, in the original script that Fibes, uh, he was meant to be abusive to Bone Navy, not just mean, but actually abusive, uh, eventually stabbing her to death in the original script uh, and and then escape it, um, and then escape the house, which was which, which was to catch on fire, in a hot air balloon with Victoria, his wife's body. It was then decided. Yeah, I wouldn't have liked that ending either. That, that's that's just, the most cartoon Disney ending yeah. bullshit ever. Around, I'm so glad yeah. they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, it's too much around the world in forty days. Like this, very British at that time. Too cartoony, too great race again. Yeah, I'm glad they changed it to more Phantom of the Opera esque. Um, it was decided to make Fabes a more sympathetic character, so these sequences were removed. Yeah, so right. there we're talking about the sympathetic Satanist of the sixties, which the Reverend pointed out because he doesn't go killing willy nilly. This isn't a serial killer or a spree killer. This is very much a, a satanic program of revenge because he no. only smites those who have smited his cheek. Yeah, what this makes me think of, and I mean. I think any big fan of Vincent Price will immediately think of Edgar Allan Poe, right? Um, right. This immediately makes me yes. think yes. of yes. the cask of, of Montiato. It's just a pure revenge story. 100%. That's what it is. But 100%. at the end of the day, when I watched this movie again, I never realized this is a romantic comedy. 
Yeah, I can't, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, ne- I, 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 I never disagree. noticed it before. I, I disagree, actually. Yeah. I laughed so huh. many times at the bumbling, fumbling, dickhead, Monty Python, Keystone Cop police. Keystone Cop. And then there's there this insane fucking beautiful love story behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, man. Tragic, gothic, romantic. Comedy. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the OG Shaun of the Dead. That's what it is. Not bad it's Shaun of the Dead written by Edgar Allan Poe. That's what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, certainly more palatable than Andrew Lloyd Webber's <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, but that's just me. <laughs> no, <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> my wife works on Broadway. I know. And, uh, that's why I, 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 no disrespect, no, I like... LB. I like the I like the fucking fan of the fan of the opera, but it's a I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Little I'm gonna bit. be anyway. nice. And we'll say be it's nice a bit much. in respect to LB. All right, okay. Now, in order to gain more publicity, this film was advertised as Vincent Price's one hundredth film in nineteen seventy one. This that is not true. That's true. That's not that true. Okay, as I said, this was a marketing. This was a marketing gimmick. Yeah, right. This is up I there. Don't... This is up there where this is the same gimmick as on a certain level as when The Exorcist came out. Uh, they made sure to put ambulances out front of the theaters. It's the same thing. Yeah, that's okay. a gimmick. They're, they're just gimmick. trying to okay. draw. Fair hard. enough. Fair enough. Okay. And I think that's enough trivia because speaking of gimmicks, let's go into our gimmick section. Before we uh, set to battle and enter the ring, let's have our favorite bits of violence. Yes. Um, I'm going to start off with the reverend beforehand to start with, because when okay. you're following the, when you're following your reverend, it's like, whew, okay. So let's right, set let's, the scene. Uh... Let's set the bar. Go for it. A hundred percent, the frog mask. It just. It, it, I'm sorry, but I gotta say it. It is the most iconic thing in here. The entire yeah. eyes wide shut thing and the fucking satanic references that go into that scene more than any of the fucking plague parts because those are those are that's cannon fodder. That's little kids Sunday school bullshit. The whole frog fucking mask. ten plagues and stuff. The symbolism that is in this film. With fucking Anton Thebes, played by Vincent Price, two years after the Satanic fucking church opened, it's it, it's the frog mask, a hundred percent. Yes, it is. That's exactly what I wrote down. And honestly, okay. I wanted to bring up the Anton thing earlier, but I knew that Terry would take care of it. Absolutely, it's the frog mask, and there's not even a close second. No. No, I will suggest a close second to round us off here. I like the <clears throat> hail storm plague gimmick of the ice machine in the limo to create the hailstorm to freeze the good doctor to death. That is good. Mainly because of the hypnotic uh the, music the, the, box that was put yeah, in get- at the start. Yeah. I always want to say ghetto box, but that's some hood shit. Like I can't help it. Like it's yeah, that that shit gets me. The hypnotic fucking music box. 
Yes, it is so Victorian. It is so nightmare-esque. Uh, it's so macabre, whatever word you want to put to it. And I just love those sort of things, you know. Like, I want to be set up in my own house one day where I can collect thousands of such curios, yeah, and have them <laughs> all throughout my house. I am a fan of that kind of imagery and gimmick. And the fact that that was used so beautifully with Volnavia playing the violin after the Vulcan death grip, just that whole scene and how it was composed, I really liked. And you know what? I will say this for that. That, that, would, that would definitely be a, a fairly close second because the literally the makeup, the, 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 uh, the production done on, on making that scene work is pretty amazing. For 1971, that's Tom Savini level. Like, that's really incredible what they did. Making that dude look like he was frozen in that carriage. That's fucking heavy, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. um, Yeah, but also a horrific death. That's a horrific death. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Yes, it was one that I actually felt on my bones, that one there, rather than going, oh, look at the little fruit bat. But hey. The fruit huh? bats, like, yo, man, I can't, every time I look at them, I'm like, these are the most adorable creatures ever. I'm not shook. <laughs> they really are. Make- they're, most, they're the most cute things I've ever seen in my life. If you ever make it down here, Commander, we'll go through a walk around the neighborhood and I'll be able to introduce you to like dozens just within a single block radius at night. Yeah. Yo, I swear, I'll be writing poetry before I leave. I swear <laughs> to God. And we have uh, swarms of them like um, at night as well, like in flight paths. You'll see hundreds of them flying past. It's a oh. beautiful sight. Beautiful sight. It really is. It re- Australia can blow you away in terms of wildlife at some point, at some certain points. Yeah. It doesn't only just scare you or sting you to death, but it can also just take your breath away with moments like that. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm going to come down there. What do you think about that? Sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've got room. All right. Okay. Now, um, yes, to our favorite gimmick. Um, sorry, Reverend, product placement. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really pay attention. Uh, no, I there's, nothing. Nothing. there's nothing. Okay, good, good. This, All right. this product placement thing is kind of failing us. It's it's not coming up <laughs> as much. Uh, we just do it when they're when it's obvious. When it's You're obvious, right. glaringly obvious. Okay. Right. Right. So let's get to, on to our favorite gimmick. And I'm sure it's our listeners as well. Uh, uh, there we don't let me get the pen ready. Absolutely. We don't have a name for you listeners out there yet, but we will at some point as we progress here. But you all know what it's about. You all know how we do this. This is Jobber Royale. Jobber Royale! (laughs) All right, people. Okay, now, do you remember... All right, the Challenger. Let's call this chap the Challenger. Do you remember the graveyard attendant? (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah one okay. single scene one shot one line of dialogue uh which will be paraphrasing uh to the worms that they'll go the worms will have them soon something very edgar Allan poe-esque yes and he looks like a victorian graveyard attendant absolutely <laughs> he, he is <laughs> And this 
is versus my man, my favorite bit of comedy, and the whole damn thing portrayed beautifully by Terry Thomas. This is Dr. Longstreet, the cranker. The purveyor of fine pornography himself, Dr. Longstreet. A la the grand masturbator. (laughs) Yo, man. Holy, that's a fucking deal. All right. I'm not weighing in first. I'll tell you that right now. Reverend, you're starting to put it up to me first. Yes, I am. It's my show today. cracking up. And I'm just trying to figure this. Okay. They're coming into the ring. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I just, the cemetery worker. I'm going with the cemetery worker, man. Right? That's it. That's it. I yeah, can't that's, even visualize honestly, this that's, pro- my, that's my go-to. That's my go-to as well. Like, yo, man, the motherfucker that works the graveyard. I feel How like he- I... I I set the whole thing up. The fucking stands are crowded and everything. The entire ring sitting down there. Woo, woo, woo. You got those laser lights, spotlights going around. Okay, where is everyone? Where is everyone? The the fight doesn't even happen because the fucking cemetery worker just took him out in the fucking parking lot and now it's done. The parking lot. Does he have a gimmick? Does he have a weapon? No, I don't know. I don't know. I was waiting for the fight with everyone else. I just described the whole scene. We were all out there waiting for it by the ring. For this to happen, cemetery oh, takes it outside and just fucking takes care of it. We all fucking learn you. about it fifteen minutes later because we all been fucking sitting there paying nine dollars for a hot dog, fucking fifteen dollars for a beer and shit, mm-hmm. and we don't even know he took care of it out in the parking lot. And the stadium, um, what how that's done is they'll show the footage on the big screens outside to the car park to um, you know the business to the shenanigans taking place. It's used a lot in the biz. Absolutely, I understand entirely what you mean. I am very happy with that outcome, Commander. What do you have? Um, I I will never ever in my life will I side with a doctor over a grave digger. The fucking Ooh. graveyard attendant takes it all day. And it's not interesting. Even close. And it's not even close. Like uh, this is a working class motherfucker that carries a shovel around with him everywhere he goes. That okay. has no problem with death on any level. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. granted, the doctor mm-hmm. doesn't either, but he sees it in such a clinical level. He never mm-hmm. sees it in the form of violence. Mm-hmm. This fucking graveyard attendant does, and mm-hmm. he's going to ruin this guy's day. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know how he knows how to get rid of a fucking body. No one even We're going to sell you the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. Fuck you, Dr. Longstreet. It's all about the graveyard attendant. Yeah, well, very well put, very well laid out. Um, okay, so this is happening in the car park as well. Yes, this stays in the car park. Doesn't sure. go into the stadium, not into the ring. Yeah. We'll keep it in the car park. 
to create continuity. A, a real fight, a proper fight. Yeah, we'll keep it in continuity to the scene, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't think it happens automatically. I think there's a bit of a chase around, a bit of a Benny Hill routine, yeah, around the, um, the doctor's vehicle. Yeah. Um, and he has a large, he's just come out with the crank, which he used for the film projector. That's his concealed weapon. And he's grinning inanely, you know what I mean? And, you know, and he might be a bit lewdly touching himself up as well to try and distract the grave digger because this is what he knows. He knows the anatomy, <laughs> but that's the only thing he knows. So he's really quite useless. The grave digger does have his shovel. Every grave digger has his shovel, absolutely. And um, and after the Dr. Longstreet has ran around and worn himself out, Benny Hill style, um, the doctor just swings basically roundhouse style with the shovel and just knocks him out cold with one hit. Absolutely. Puts takes Undertaker style, puts him off his shoulder to the graveyard cemetery, um, buries him. And uh, before, not before, though, taking out his organs to sell back to the medical institution to make a little bit of coin as well to probably the same doctors who um, were in the same practice as Dr. Longstreet for their beautiful bit of irony. Well done. <laughs> Fucking you. well done. <laughs> this um, this Jobber Royale gimmick, uh, we're creating whole scenes here. We're creating the promo packages that should be on film. Cinematic well, me, matches. Cinematic so let me matches. Go ahead and circle graveyard attendant real quick. Fantastic. Jesus Christ. That was a clean sweep and it wasn't even close. <laughs> no, uh, and I'm glad he is now in the tournament. That I look forward to where he, how he's going to progress as this yeah, goes. Man. Yeah, the graveyard attendant, absolutely brilliant, right. gentlemen. That was that was fantastic. I'm happy with how that turned out. Absolutely, I'm really glad we got to cover this film. I'm really grateful for your insight into this film. I mean, from this both is, of you, this is this is such an influential film. I mean, not only on other films but on music. I mean. The, the misfits, bare minimum, yep. but the other types of fucking goofy fucking horror and just sad music. I mean, I'm sure. Cradle going... of filth, cradle of filth, a hundred percent. Daddy yeah, filth I would mean, be jacking off over goofy. this film. I guarantee you that fucking other bands that are even more influential and earlier on, like Joy Division, are probably influenced by this fucking. Sure, I could see that. You know what I mean? I could see that, yeah. Um, this is an important one. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad you brought it up. Cool, cool. I hope I gave it a star due credence. Um, and now we are jumping forward in time, though. Um, we are discussing lineage again. In a, but in a different way with your next film commander for our next episode what do you have for us oh that's right next time we've got we've got uh, a Cronenberg film but not David we've got Brandon Cronenberg's debut film Antiviral um, my son is the one that actually brought this to my attention and I am I I, I not shocked. I just, I really am fucking blown away by this movie. I'm blown away I'm, by it. I'm grinning ear to ear with excitement for this one. Yes. I really, I am. really, I really dig am. this film. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Cool. Um, 
Final words, Reverend, before we sign off here. Go for it. Do you want to rate? Do you want to give this rate? Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Okay, quickly. Um, I'm definitely a seven out of ten. Couldn't. I would be uh, I would I would be just wrong to put it any lower. Absolutely. Um, and I will liken it to <laughs> this is lazy biblical play because this will always be remembered for its impact, <laughs> for its influence. Sorry, I had to uh, grab that before anyone else did. Um, Reverend, what do you have? Um, you know what? I'm going to, I love Vincent Price. I really, really do. But this film is what happens when you give the greatest iconic thin, fucking theater cinematic actor of all time that America has ever produced. And you give it to an Englishman. I, I'm just oh. not feeling the amicus. I, I just never have, man. It's not his greatest work. It's just a little too long, but it's still been surprised. So I'm going to hit that seven out of 10 right there with you. But I'm going to say that this is like ulcers because it's my favorite thing and I'm going to fucking consume as much as I want to. And it's going to take a little longer to kill me, though. I like that. How is it? I'm, I honestly, by trade, I'm the most negative person out of all of us. I always rate shit higher. All right. So <laughs> that is true. It's interesting. Eight five. Eight five on this thing. And honestly, it's not because of how good of a movie it is. It's not a very good movie. But this movie is so fucking influential and so important. It can't be denied. I almost want to go nine, but it's bad enough of a movie. I have to go eight five. Yeah, I'm yeah, really I liking this, and I've done this already, and I don't give a fuck. Somebody can fight me over it. This is herpes. This is okay. passed down to all types of people that you don't even know it's been passed to, but yet you still appreciate the pleasure you get out of it. Herpes, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. And um, no, I'm happy with both ratings. Absolutely. Um, it is um, important, in, um, important, influential as well. Uh, it is, I've been surprised, one of the greatest American actors, one of the greatest actors uh, that stage and cinema has ever produced. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's just um, uh, in terms of the logic linking is why I just can't give it any um, higher. It just jumps around too comedically at times. For me and my own aesthetic um, cinematic principles, critical principles to rate it higher. But uh, we all agree that like any lower than seven would be remiss and criminal. Yeah, because of just how good and how important in general this film is. I'm really glad that we covered it. I'm looking forward to antiviral. Um I wish I had a clever little um, Dr. Fibes quote on deck, but I do not. But if, I will just say, if you have not checked this film out and you listen to this podcast, sort your life, get on YouTube, watch this, the abominable Dr. Fibes and Dr. Fibes Rises Again, both available. Check it out, sort your life. Thank you for listening. We love you. Good night. Good day. Peace.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.